Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. It is so great to see you once again. If it's your first time here, we're in a series on the family. We call it castles because every home is to be a castle. Every castle is somebody's home. And I'm so thankful that you are building a home on the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, the firm foundation. Now, you know, we're in the irresistible campaign, it's a two-year campaign. And we want to put God's love on display in irresistible ways. As a part of that family initiative, we have a foster and adoptive initiative. So many of you already have. Others of you are considering the call in your life to maybe foster or adopt a child. And did you know that adoption is one of the greatest images of the gospel in all of Scripture? Like, did you know that we, as children of God, have been adopted into the family of God? And we just sing about that. It's remarkable, honestly. A lot of people think, well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. We come into this world not as sons of God or daughters of God, but the fallen sons of Adam and the fallen daughters of Eve. We've been estranged from God because of sin, but because we've been orphaned spiritually, God sent his son to pay the penalty so that we can be adopted back into God's family. And that is a great metaphor of the gospel. I want you to hear a story today of adoption. Clayton King is one of, I'm convinced, he wouldn't say this about himself, but I'll say it for him, one of the great Christian leaders today in our generation, one of the great Christian leaders of our nation. He pastors as an overseer, a teaching pastor of a fantastic church in South Carolina called New Spring. He's never been to Abundant Life. This is his first time. I want him to share his adoption story with you, hopefully encourage some of you to maybe consider fostering or adopting at every single campus and every church house all over North America. Would you give it up right now, right here in Lee Summit, for our new friend, first time ever on the platform of Abundant Life, Clayton King. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Well, thank you for having me today. I'm honored to be here with you at Abundant Life. I had heard about this church and Pastor Phil for many, many years, and I just have to say, having met Pastor Phil, you're way more handsome than I thought you were going to be. You also have a fantastic haircut. I like that a lot. Uh, Pastor Phil and I are just kindred spirits, and Krista, also great to meet you. Uh, my wife wanted me to, to greet you personally. I talked to her after we were backstage talking earlier, the four, three of us. So thank you for having me today. I'm excited to preach for the next two and a half to three hours. I've got a lot <laughs> to say. Now, I've been warned about you. I've heard that you like to get a little uh, into it. So let me just kind of tell you where I'm coming from. I was raised in three church traditions. Now, if you're not a church person, this won't make a lick of sense to you. But if you're a church person, what I'm about to tell you, you're going to blow your mind. I was raised Southern Baptist, Presbyterian. Ain't nobody saying yay to the Presbyterian thing. <laughs> you weren't predestined to. <laughs> and it's just a joke, people. Come on, loosen up. Loosen up. Let's have a good time today. Southern Baptist, Presbyterian, and Pentecostal holiness. Now I knew y'all were gonna go crazy. So my mom and dad that adopted me were Southern Baptist. Um, I went to a Presbyterian Christian school for 11 years and my grandfather, World War II vet, 
was a Pentecostal holiness, tongue-talking, flag-waving, Holy Ghost power man of God. So being raised in those three traditions means a couple of things. First of all, it means I need therapy. Um, <laughs> it's working great. Second of all, it means, now just think about this, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal. It means I was predestined to speak in tongues while eating fried chicken and drinking wine at a deacon's meeting. That's funny. I don't care who you are. I don't care. That's funny. So I live in the great state of South Carolina. I don't know if you've ever been there. We've got this, uh, we all, people are moving from all over the country to South Carolina, and there's a popular bumper sticker that you'll see in a lot of pickup trucks that says, welcome to South Carolina, now y'all go home. It's kind of funny. But I'm a pastor there at a church called New Spring. My wife and I started a nonprofit ministry 28 years ago called Crossroads. We had 6,000 teenagers at our summer camps this past summer, and I was saved at age 14 and became an evangelist. Uh, the night that I gave my life to Jesus, I was an eighth grader. I went to a youth rally in Greer, South Carolina. I didn't care about hearing the word of God. There was a cute girl named Barbara McCall. And Barbara was a year older than me and she ran track and I played football and I could just see it in our future. And I wanted to meet her that night, hoping to sit beside her on the church van, was actually hoping to kiss her, okay? It's a confession. I'd never kissed a girl in my life at that point, except for my mom and my grandma, and that was on the cheek, so it didn't count. And I went that night so that I could flirt with Barbara. I did not flirt with Barbara, but I found Jesus that night. That night, Jesus saved me at age 14. And so what I wanted to do today, Pastor Phil had invited me to come and share with you in the series called Castles about family. I want to talk to you about my family, but I also want to talk to you about this concept from the New Testament because I'm adopted. That's the title of the message today. I'm adopted. And whether or not your biological parents put you up for adoption or you've been adopted into an actual family, if you're a Christian, there's only one way you made it into the family of God. One way and one way only. You were adopted in. God in his grace invited you in. Regardless of your past, regardless of my mistakes, regardless of the shame and regret, there's only one way you get into the family of God. You don't work your way into it. You don't earn your way into it. You don't just like, like drift into it. As a matter of fact, you're not even born into it. You have to be saved into it by God's grace. And so that's my story. It's the story of being adopted. And when I think about the last 36 years of ministry, I, I was saved and called to ministry in the 1900s. And um, <laughs> I've, been, I've been to 56 countries. I shared the gospel with the lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers on a train in India. Shared the gospel with Shaquille O'Neal in an airport one time. I've been bombed on the border of Pakistan. I've been mistaken for Garth Brooks and gave his autograph to some fans. That's true. That's the true story. Blame it all on my roots. Showed up in boots. Ruin your black tie affair. That's all I got. What, but, but everything I have in my life, all the good things in my life is all God's grace because he adopted me in. Now, let me just take you to some scripture because in the words of that great Bible scholar and theologian, I don't remember the country song, I got a long way to go in a short time to get there. Let me get you to Romans real quick. I wanna get you to Romans, but before I do that, I wanna show you my family. 
me show you where we're going. First of all, this is the greatest gift God ever gave me besides my salvation. The woman to um, your right is my beautiful bride, best friend, and my baby mama. That is the lovely, the talented Shari King. Today is our wedding anniversary. That's right. Today we celebrate 24 years, four months, and 18 days. Today, today, it's our wedding anniversary. She's my partner in ministry. She's a gifted communicator, a great teacher. She's written several books. She's in seminary getting her master's now. My son, uh, to your right, that's Jacob. He's 21, he's a junior at Anderson University in South Carolina, majoring in ministry. Yesterday, while I was flying to Kansas City, he was preaching to literally 20,000 people at a Chris Tomlin and C.C. Winans Outdoor Music Festival in Wilkesburg, North Carolina. God called him to preach a few years ago. And then my son Jojo uh, to your left, he's a senior in high school. He's six foot four, he plays basketball, he plays football, he's tender hearted. He's got a cute little girlfriend named Sarah and I'm just praying he gets a full college scholarship somewhere. That's all I'm asking Jesus for. This is my family, this is my life. They're my everything. Uh, that's my family I have now, but I also wanna show you that the family I came from well, you know, there's no perfect family, right? Because families are made up of people. That's why we all need to be saved. That's why we need Jesus. Because there is no perfect family. What I wanna do is take you to the book of Romans to some things that Paul had to say about adoption. And I wanna show you how it affects you and me. And then I wanna challenge you, if you're not a Christian, you're watching online or you're at one of the campuses, I wanna invite you to receive this gift of adoption. And if you are a Christian, I want you to celebrate and rejoice in the fact that Jesus adopted you, but I also wanna invite you to consider how you might, in a real practical way, foster children or maybe even adopt someone into your home right now in real time. When I was a senior in, in college, I wrote my senior thesis on the concept of adoption in the New Testament. I wanted to understand why, why is adoption such a strong theme of the gospel in the New Testament. One of the passages where we see this word and this concept come from is Romans chapter eight, beginning in verse 12, Paul writes to the church in Rome, a small group of believers in the largest city in the world, the largest empire in the world. They're living in the shadow of the emperor. They're living in the shadow of Rome. They know that if they confess Jesus is Lord, that they're going against the Roman slogan, which is Caesar is Lord. And they know that if they say Jesus is Lord, they could lose their lives, be imprisoned, or be thrown into the Colosseum with the lions or the gladiators. And Paul wants them to understand how beautiful it is that God has adopted them. Jew, Gentile, barbarian, he's adopted them into the family. So he says this in Romans 8. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so when he mentions Spirit here, in, in Hebrew the word is ruach, 
And in Greek, it's the word pneuma, meaning wind, where we get like pneumatic power tools. It is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that gives us the ability to, to die to the deeds of the flesh. It's also the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to be adopted. He says so in the following verses. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. So he's already introduced language of family, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, sons. God doesn't call you a subordinate. God doesn't call you an employee. God doesn't call you a colleague. God doesn't call us associates. Come on, somebody. He calls us sons and he calls us daughters. There is an intimacy that we have with the living God, and it's by the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, he says, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, here it is, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. I wanna point this out to you, Abba, is the Aramaic word for daddy or dad. It's a word, a term of intimacy. Jesus called his heavenly father, Abba Father, when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane prior to his crucifixion. I have some friends, and I've known many people over the years who are speech therapists, and they have told me, and I've confirmed this from multiple sources, that the short A, ah, and the hard B, buh, are the first two phonetic sounds the human mouth can make when you're developing language skills. Isn't it amazing that God in his sovereignty, that God in his grace has hardwired in to human beings down to the imprint of the neural pathways of your brain and the form and shape of your developing mouth and tongue that the first two sounds you can make put together are a cry out for your heavenly father. It's in our hearts to know God from the womb. It's in our hearts to be connected to our heavenly father. That's how we speak to him. Why? Because we've been given a spirit of what? Adoption. The word adoption in Greek is the Greek word weosethia. And that is an interesting word because in every culture of that time, Greek culture, Roman culture, and Jewish culture, they were what we call cultures of honor and cultures of shame. And if you go to Central America now, if you go to Asia now, and if you go to the Middle East now, I spent a lot of time in these parts of the world, they still operate off of shame and honor cultures. So if you were a natural born child in your family and you dishonored your family, you brought shame on your father's name, you brought disgrace upon your mother's family, your family literally in the days of Jesus, I kid you not, they could divorce you. They could, they could cast you out. I just baptized a converted Hindu in my swimming pool at my house in Anderson, South Carolina, who gave his life to Christ and his family, he was so afraid his family would declare him dead because for him to become a Christian was to bring shame to the Hindu traditions of his family. So when this word adoption is used, it's that word weosethia. It means that if you were adopted in those cultures legally, Roman, Greek, and Jewish culture, 
If you went through the legal process of adopting a child that was not your natural born offspring, they not only legally got all the rights and privileges and inheritance that a normal child would get, but it was better than that because no matter what they did, you could not divorce that child. So he uses the word adoption here, weosethia, and he tells us that we can cry, Abba, Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, guess what else we are? We are heirs. Heirs of God, that means we get God. By the way, when you become a Christian, you shouldn't become a Christian just because you get to go to heaven because you get all your prayers answered, because you get a job promotion, because you make an A on a test you didn't study for, because the red light turns green as you approach it. No, no, you know what we, you know what we get when we become a Christian? We get Jesus. Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is the gold. Jesus is the finish line. Jesus is the bomb.com. Y'all still say that? Okay, I do, so I'm gonna say it. We are heirs of God and guess what else? We are co-heirs with Christ. That means everything that belongs to Jesus is ours. That means for eternity, we get a relationship with Jesus if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. And in Paul's theology, if you read all of his books of the New Testament, you will notice every time suffering is mentioned, glory is mentioned right beside it. They go hand in hand. The more we suffer, the more glory God gets. The more we suffer, the more we are refined. The more we suffer, the more we realize that Jesus is worth it. The more we suffer, the more we realize how absolutely dumb it is to live for anything other than the pleasure of God because nothing else will satisfy us. It's only God's pleasure. Now, if you'll let me, you know, because this is what preachers do, we've got to make a point because we want to make a difference. Can I make three points? Then I'm going to tell you my story. I want to help you understand that God's heart, revealed in all of Scripture, but especially in Romans chapter 8, 12 through 17, is to love and rescue children. That's God's heart. He wants to love and rescue children. That's why He wants to adopt. He wants to adopt us into His family. I mean, if you want to bless God, if you want to honor God, if you want God to see your life as a life committed to him, bless children, love children, take care of children, be kind to children, raise your children, discipline your children, train your children, be good to children, and God's blessing will, will land on you. You want to, let me, let me use a phrase I heard on the farm growing up, you want to get sideways with God? You want to tick off the Almighty? You want to really have God oppose you? Hurt a kid. Ignore a child, abuse a child. That's why when, when the disciples were watching one day, there were a ton of children coming to Jesus, little kids. And the disciples said, let's send them away. They're a nuisance. They're aggravating. They're, they're in the way. Jesus said, do not send them away. Let them come to me because the kingdom of God is made up of children like this. Oh, and Jesus added this. And if you offend or hurt one of these little ones, it would be better for you that a millstone be tied around your neck and you thrown into the sea and drowned. God's heart is to love children. God's heart is to bless children. God's heart is to rescue children. And if you are a Christian, it's because God had a heart for you and he rescued you. If you're not a Christian, I want you to know God loves you. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on your place in the cross 
so that you could repent of your sins and let his blood wipe away all of your shortcomings, all of your shame, all of your regret. And the only way you'll ever know that love of your heavenly father is to ask him to rescue you by his grace and adopt you into his family. That's God's heart. His heart is to love and rescue children. But we also see this, adoption is irreversible and unbreakable. It's what I just explained to you. That spirit of adoption, the weosophia, irreversible. There's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. People like to ask me all the time, Clayton, do you believe in once saved, always saved? And I don't like the way that that question is framed, so I always reframe it this way. I believe that if you're ever truly born again by the Spirit of God, it is eternal, it is irreversible, because you didn't earn it, you can't get rid of it. God gave it to you as a gift. He earned it for you. If my good works didn't save me, then my good works aren't gonna keep me saved. It is all by God's grace. And when I get to heaven, I know I'm going in, not because I was a good boy. I'm a rebel, I'm a rule breaker, I'm a punk. I cuss in my head sometimes, and occasionally even out loud. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I've been struggling with it for 26 years. I know, I know, I know where I'm at. I'm just confessing. I know where I'm at. I know where I am. And I know where I've been in the wilderness for 26 years. If we're gonna get to heaven, it's only gonna be because God did not break his covenant with us when he adopted us. It's irreversible. We are sealed, Ephesians 1 says, with the power of the Holy Spirit who is a deposit that guarantees our inheritance. Guarantee is a big word. And when God says he guarantees my salvation, I'm betting my life on it. My salvation is guaranteed because of Jesus, not because of me. There's one more point I wanna make, and that is simply this. We're not born into God's family. We're born again into it. That's what adoption is. Jesus was approached by Nicodemus in John chapter three. Nicodemus was a religious wingnut. This guy knew everything, knew the Bible backwards and forwards. He was a leader of the Pharisees. He was a chief of all these guys. And he comes to Jesus and says, how can you do these miracles? And Jesus skipped all of the details and got right to the heart. He cut to the quick and he said, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. So I wanna make sure we understand this. You're not born a Christian, you're born lost. My Hindu friends are born Hindu because they're born into a Hindu family. I've been to India seven times. I understand how that works in their culture. My Muslim friends think if you're born into a Muslim family, you were born a Muslim. But we as Christians don't believe that. We believe if you're born into a Christian family, that's a blessing, but it doesn't mean you're saved. You're, you're, you're not born saved. I was born a sinner. Something radical has to happen to change my eternal destiny, my current trajectory. And that was Jesus of Nazareth being crucified in my place to take the penalty of my sin away from me. I deserve the death penalty, Jesus took it for me. And that's how I am born again, that's how you're born again. You simply receive this gift of adoption that Jesus would love you so much, he would lay his life down for you. And if you'd repent of your sin, and invite him in, just simply ask, he'll adopt you into his family. That's what we call being born again. That's what I call adoption. I always knew I was adopted growing up. My parents always told me, they always made it a big deal. And so I always knew that it was, it was special. And I can remember being in the first grade. I don't know if any of y'all can remember that far back. Do you remember show and tell? All right, so we had a Polaroid camera and I went, 
Y'all remember that? And, uh, you know, you know what I'm doing, right? So I went to first grade for show and tell with my Polaroid picture of me and my family in the backyard in the kiddie pool. And I show the picture and I'm like, this is me and this is my mom and my dad and my grandma and my grandfather. And I'm adopted. This is my family that adopted me. And this was first grade. We had a bully in first grade. His name was Michael. Michael was an eighth grader that got held back a couple of times. <laughs> he drove a station wagon to school. He had a beard. Worked at an auto parts store after school. And Michael was a big bully, so I show this picture and I tell him I'm adopted and Michael just yells out, wow, you must have been an ugly baby. And everybody got real quiet, including the teacher. And Michael said, your own mama took one look at you and said, he's so ugly, I gotta give him away. Yeah, first grade. So my mom picks me up after school. My parents adopted me. I was born in November of 72. I was adopted in February of 73. So my mom that adopted me, my mom and dad, my real parents, um, people always like, well, who are your real parents? Well, it was both the ones that created me and the ones that raised me. The ones that raised me were my real parents. And my mom picked me up from school that day and she said, now my mom, five foot four, Southern lady. I'm talking like homemade biscuits, sweet tea, gravy. My, my mama was demure and so sweet. Oh, honey, come on in and sit down for a minute. Let me make you something to eat. How your mama them doing? That was my mama. I mean, honey dripping out of her mouth. But she had a gear. I'm talking, she'd go NRA on people. I got in the car and my mom said, what's wrong with you? I said, nothing. She said, you're upset. No, ma'am, I'm fine. Did somebody hurt my baby's feelings? I'm fine, mama. Was it that overgrown bully, Michael, who should be in college by now? I mean, she was going in. I said, yeah, he said I was ugly, my, that, that my real mama looked at me and didn't want to keep me because I was so, so hard to look at. And, and my mom went from Southern Belle to like ninja. She went, I'll kill him. I'll take his life. I will. I mean, she almost drove the Ford LTD into the ditch. And when she calmed down, when she calmed down, my mom said, you go to school tomorrow and you tell that bully. His mom and dad got stuck with him and couldn't give him back. <laughs> but we got to pick you out. Like going to the puppy store and picking out the cutest puppy. We saw you and said, we want that one. And, and she, that was, she prophesied over me at that point. She said, we adopted you into our family, and one day Jesus is going to adopt you into his. And me and your daddy have been praying every day since the day we picked you up at the adoption agency that God would call you to preach. That's what my mama said to me. Fast forward to my, 14, uh, my 14th year of life, and that prayer came true. And that night at that little church in Greer, I gave my life to Jesus and that same night, I kid you not, abundant life, I was on my knees at the altar, praying the sinner's prayer, receiving Christ as my savior with some other teenagers at the altar with me. And I heard a grown man behind me say, preach the gospel out loud. And I turned my head to see who it was and there was no man back there. 
An hour later, I was back at the farm in Fountain Inn and I went upstairs to my bedroom after the church van dropped me off and I got on my knees beside my bed. I'd never done this before and I literally have my hands up and I'm praying, Jesus, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything, I'll pay any price, I can't believe you love me. What do you want me to do with my life? I didn't think he was gonna answer me and I heard that same voice preach the gospel. So I've been adopted twice. It's how I got into my family, it's how my last name became King. It's also how I got into the King's family, adopted by grace. So my mom drops dead of a heart attack in 2010. I'm fast forwarding through the story. My dad died a little over a year later. I preached my dad's funeral on Father's Day, 2012. And after my mom and dad passed away, I just had this curiosity. I wanna find out where'd I come from? What's my family tree like? Some people that are adopted, it's like this gnawing thing. They've just got to know. It wasn't like that for me. It's different for everybody. I was just curious. So I did a DNA test through Ancestry.com. Friend of mine at church named Ken, he said, hey, if you'll let my wife Meg run with your results, by the time you get back from your anniversary, she'll know everything about your family, your biological family. I said, okay, let's go for it. So my wife and I got back from Europe. We took a short sabbatical, never had one before. I get back and, and I know everything everything about my biological family. And it's wild. So in the next 11 minutes, I'm gonna tell you some stories and show you some pictures. Because when you join God in the ministry of adoption, wild things start to happen. Wild things. So the first picture I wanna show you, I didn't know I had a sister. And then I meet my sister. Her name is Paige. She's lovely. She's a single mom raising a beautiful little boy. This day that I met her, uh, my wife and I and my two boys drove to uh, Conway, South Carolina, and we were gonna meet all of my dad's side of the family, the Martins, at Polly's Swamp Baptist Church. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, I was just a little curious as to whether or not they were gonna hug me or kill me and bury my body in the swamp. I was like, Am I, is my family mafia? Where are we going? Walk in the fellowship hall, there's 35 of my dad's family, my, my biological dad who had passed away. Her dad, my dad, his name was Frankie Martin, and I meet my sister. And then I also found out that I had a brother too. So that's my brother, Clint. Of course, that's Paige on the end. And that's my dad in the blue hat and the green jacket. His name was Frankie Martin. He passed away a couple of years before I met him. His brother, Joe, is still living. And when I met his brother, Joe, my uncle, Uncle Joe, he's from the low country of South Carolina. He's got that low country accent. He said, boy, let me ask you a question. How, how big are you? How big are you? I'm like, ain't none of your business how big I am. No, he said, how tall are you? I said, I'm six foot three. He said, Frankie was six foot three. How much do you weigh? I said, well, because I'm a man, I'll tell you. At that point, I was about 260, I'm about 230 now because I'm 50, I wanna stay nifty, so I've lost some weight. <laughs> but um, he said, your dad was six foot three, your dad weighed 260. He said, I've watched you preach on the internet. He said, um, you seem like you're an extrovert, you never meet a stranger, you always tell stories. He said, you're just like your dad. You're just like Frankie. I didn't even, I, I never met him, but the stories I've heard about my dad, it's crazy how many similarities he and I have. And then I started finding out that I'm not the first minister in my family from the Martin side. 
I had no idea. There were all these different people in my family tree that I got connected to once I found out what I was like in my DNA. I'm gonna show you a picture. Um, You probably won't know who this guy is, but I am a direct descendant of this guy. That man, um, do you see the resemblance? (laughs) That man is William Tyndale. You know who he is? William Tyndale. He was British. He was famous for one thing. He was the first person to ever translate the Bible from Latin into English. Literally, the first English Bible, he translated it. And the Catholic Church was so happy about it, they killed him. (laughs) They didn't want people to read the Bible in their common tongue because it would mean that that the church wouldn't have all the control. So they put him to death. And this is an artist's rendering of his death. They killed my great, 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 great grandfather. And they were also so mad about it after the Bible was translated to English, after they killed him a few years later, kid you not, they dug up his body and burned his bones in public. And I'm a direct descendant of him. If you meet my wife and you ask my wife, Shari, what's Clayton like? One of the first things she's gonna tell you is, my husband's a godly man, but by nature, he's a rule breaker. He's a rebel. I am, and I get it honest. Also found out that on top of William Tyndale being one of my ancestors, I had a great, 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 great grandfather who was a circuit riding Methodist evangelist who rode up and down the coast of the Carolinas and Virginia and Georgia on horseback. And at Pauley's Swamp Baptist Church where I met all of my Martin family, that church was planted by my ancestor. One of the many churches he planted all up and down the coast as he would ride on horseback and preach in cotton fields and tobacco farms and and draw people uh, in barns and under trees. The stories that, that are written in the history books about him is that he was an evangelist and he had a voice that would carry for miles. When I was in the second grade, my second grade teacher nicknamed me the mouth of the South. And on one of my report cards, she literally wrote back to my mom and dad, your son's voice can carry through cement walls. (laughs) Had another great, 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 great grandfather. Actually, it was his son. His name was Hezekiah Furman Martin. And Hezekiah Furman Martin went on to be a pastor in the Carolinas in Virginia. He was on the board of trustees at Southern Seminary. It's a crazy, crazy story. As a matter of fact, he was such a character that in one of the history books that I found that my cousin gave me or showed me after we we all kind of got together, he was performing a wedding ceremony. Kid you not. Hezekiah Furman Martin is performing a wedding ceremony and the history book that was written said that at the altar, he convinced the bride to abandon the groom right before she made the vow and to leave out the back door of the church to elope with him. How tight was his game? I can, can you imagine? It's like 1852, and the, my great, 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 great grandfather looks at her and goes, hey, hey girl, what's up? I'm about to throw some riz your way. Won't you ditch this zero and come to this hero? And boom, they bounce. 
Y'all might not think it's awesome, but I'm having a great time up here just remembering. <laughs> it blows my mind. Oh, and one more. So, so, so I'm telling you, when you just, when you accept God's love and you let him adopt you into his family, that's when life starts. You become a Christian, that's when you start living. There's no amount of money ever gonna satisfy you. Stop, just stop trying to get rich. There is no amount of success that's ever gonna fill the hole in your heart. No husband's gonna make you happy. No wife is gonna fulfill all your dreams. Your kids might go to the best school and get the best wife and the best grandkids for you. There is still something in you that can only be filled by Jesus Christ when he adopts you into his family and you have a relationship with him through repentance of sin and faith in Christ alone. Just stop running from it. Join the adoption story. And then once Jesus adopts you, he invites you to start helping other people get adopted in the family of God. And for some of you, he's even gonna let you like in real time, in real life with real people, open up your home and your family to be a foster family, to be a family that adopts somebody into your family. For years and years, um, friends of mine would tell me, Clayton, you are, you gotta be twin brothers with this guy from Jacksonville, Florida. He's a pastor at a church down there called 1122. You, you gotta be related to this guy named Joby. And I'm like, who in the world is this guy? So I looked him up and, you know, he looked like a nice guy and big beard and drives a truck, wears camouflage, likes to hunt, likes to fish. So I could see the similarities and, and more and more of these guys were like, you have gotta meet Joby. Y'all are twins. You sound alike, talk alike, act alike, preach alike. Same kind of illustrations. Y'all have gotta be related. You gotta meet Joby. And I'm like, well, maybe one of these days I'll meet Joby. And so I do my DNA test and I find out that Joby's last name is Martin. And Joby Martin is my third cousin. <laughs> Joby Martin, pastor of 1122, friends of Pastor Phil, preached right here on this stage at Abundant Life, my third cousin. His students came to our Crossroads camps this summer. I preached at his church just a year ago, preached down there for their saturate revival. I'm telling you, it is wild when you start seeing the power of adoption. It's wild. And Jesus will blow your mind. The two things I want for you today is if you're not a Christian, I want you to be adopted in the family of God. I want you to join my family. Because in the words of that great Bible scholar and theologian, audio adrenaline, it's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. Big, big table with lots and lots of food. I'm serious. There's nothing better than being a part of the family of God. Why aren't you in it? Come on, join us. And the other thing I want for you is just to be open to what God might be telling you to do. Because some of you may hear the Spirit of God stir in your heart. You might feel the, the Lord tug on your heart to say, you got extra bedroom, you got expendable income, you got enough money. You got a lot of gas left in the tank and a lot of tread left on the tires. Why not foster? Why not go through the process of adopting someone into your family? I don't know what the Lord's gonna tell you to do, but I know he is always speaking. That same spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father, is still stirring hearts today. So in just a minute, Pastor Phil's gonna come and close our service. But before that, I want to invite you to close your eyes and open your hearts right now. And I want to invite you to listen for the Holy Spirit speaking. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, 
You need to be saved. You need to be adopted in the family. All you have to do is ask. Repent of your sins and ask Jesus into your heart. And just like that, that quickly, you'll take that first step of salvation and you'll join the family of God. And the second thing I want to encourage you to do is just ask what God might want you to do to help others find adoption. So Lord, I want to pray right now over abundant life. Every man, every woman, every family that's here watching online at one of our campuses. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to stir in people's hearts right now what you want them to do and what they should do now as a result of this message. And I pray that people who are lost or confused or uncertain would give their lives to you by inviting you in to take control, to rescue them and save them. I pray for those of us who know you that we'd celebrate the power of adoption. And I pray for the rest of us that we'd be open to what you might tell us to do and how it might even affect us in the days to come. Help us to be people, people who say yes when the Spirit of God tells us to move. Thank you, Jesus, for the blessing of adoption. It's in your name we pray and we believe. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.